your Locked On Coyotes, your daily podcast on the Arizona Coyotes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Coyotes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. So great to be with you again. Richard Morin here, of course. I know we haven't spoken uh, in a while, but it is so good to be with y'all again. We have a very special grand reopening podcast episode today. It's actually going to be part one of what will be a two-part podcast with Matt Lehman, the former Coyotes beat writer for ArizonaSports.com. Matt will be joining me. For those uh, who haven't heard from me in the last couple of months, I am uh, no longer with the Arizona Republic. I was the Coyotes beat writer for the Arizona Republic newspaper uh, in Phoenix. No longer with the Republic. I've moved back to my native New England, but we are still here doing the Locked On Coyotes podcast, and I'm so excited to be doing that. Uh, I'm obviously still very connected with the organization, and, and I'm so excited to still be able to uh, have this dialogue with Coyotes fans. I really am thankful for the relationship that, that we have, and uh, I'm hoping we can keep that going here uh, and sort of more unfiltered analysis and unfiltered opinion about the Arizona Coyotes, and there is so much to get to, and that's why we had to do a two-part episode here uh, to kick things off again with Matt Lehman, uh, who is the former beat writer for ArizonaSports.com. Matt is the perfect person to be here because we can both kind of take you behind the beat. What the heck happened to the Coyotes during the 2019-20 season, and what is the state of the team heading into next year? year. I think it's really interesting because you you look at this, I mean, John Chyka's exit from the organization, we're going to be breaking that down. What did it mean? What really happened? How did the the messy divorce come about between Chyka and ownership? And what the heck is going on with all of these financial issues that seem to be cropping up uh, with Alex Morello and the team, the late payments, etc. We're going to be breaking that down as well as the roster. Do any pieces need to be moved? Is Darcy Kemper on the trading block? How about Oliver Ekman Larson? We're going to be getting to all of that and where the Coyotes go from here. So I won't keep you any longer. Let's get right into that interview with my good friend, Matt Lehman. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your next order. Matt Lehman, I presume. What's up, man? Good to talk to you. Love to start my day with a hearty bowl of Matt. <laughs> Just call me Lehman in the morning, baby. Some best. office references right off the bat. I, did it. Right I can't. I can't even keep up with you. I get the I, references, but there's just you're just too quick. Yes, I have to apologize for everybody listening because I was just singing there, and that's horrible. But Matt and I just can't have a conversation without sprinkling in some some Michael Scott and some some references from the office. But Matt, it is so good to have you here, Coyotes fans. You might remember Matt Lehman, of course, the now former Coyotes beat writer for ArizonaSports.com, joins us here on the grand reopening episode of Locked On Coyotes and, and Matt I mean there's just so much to get to um, behind the beat here and uh, and exactly what happened to the Coyotes since uh, um, since last even we spoke just you and I and of course since uh, since the listeners um, were able to tune into Locked On Coyotes and we're going to get to all that but 
Um, what exactly is going on with you? You're not even in Arizona anymore. You're you're totally uh, you've taken a little bit of a, 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 a detour here. So what's what's new with uh, with Matt Lehman? Yep. Uh, well, it's an honor to get to talk to Coyotes fans again. Um, some of them who who happen to have followed me uh, on Twitter may may remember seeing that I left my job at Arizona Sports uh, like a month ago or or so. Um, and yeah, I, I, I worked there for a while. Nothing wrong or anything. Uh, not, nothing bad happened. But I just I decided on my own uh, discretion to to take a new opportunity. Um, so yeah, I, I live in Dallas, Texas now. Um, so Dallas Stars fans, you're welcome. Uh, I, I show up in town and they make the Stanley Cup. So pretty good stuff there. Why couldn't um, you have had the same effect on the Coyotes? I bet fans wonder. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's just one of those things that works in Texas and not in Arizona. So maybe the Coyotes just aren't very good. Well, yeah, I think that's probably the more likely issue, but we'll get to all that. But yeah, I'm living in Texas. So uh, Coyotes fans who who know who I am, which I get might not be everybody, but um, hello, good to talk to you again. Yeah, Matt, you and I were were on the beat for the last few years uh, covering this team and certainly was was a team that you felt like was on a positive trajectory path for the past few years. You know, the team was improving, uh, you know, it's just strictly in terms of wins and losses, you know, you could definitely say that they were improving under Rick Tockett, under John Chica. Uh, you know, they they bring in new ownership in, in July 2019. Alex Morello takes over, uh, you know, at the time was regarded as perhaps maybe one of the richest owners in the NHL. Things are, are, are looking good. And then now you sort of have two different factions of fans that uh, some are saying you got to blow everything up now that so much has changed. John Chica is no longer with the organization. Bill Armstrong newly in at GM and you have basically taken out almost everybody that John Chica had put in place there. Rick Tockett's still there, of course, but what is going to happen to this roster and what is going on with ownership? We're going to get to all of it uh, here on Locked On Coyotes, but I I think where I want to start is with John Chica because I know you and I have both had dealings with John. We've both interviewed John many times. We've had personal conversations with John. What was your reaction when all of this kind of went down, when it was you, you sort of saw the the fracture between uh, John Chica and ownership and just how ugly this divorce was. What did you make of all that? Well, I guess I'll start uh, just right before we all found out what happened. When, all, when we all knew that something was going on, when there were the reports that he wasn't at the meeting, the dinner meeting with Taylor Hall, what's going on. But But at that point, to everyone's knowledge, he was still the general manager. And then we got into a weekend, and some of you may remember that weekend. We started to learn that uh, he it looked like he was not the general manager of the Coyotes anymore. But we still didn't know why. We didn't know that he, uh, you know, that he, you know, reportedly took this new job, and that there was some dispute over that. We didn't know that yet. All we knew is that we it just appeared that he was not the team's general manager anymore. And my reaction at that point was, I don't think that they fired him. It just didn't, it just didn't add up. I, I just thought to myself, why would they fire him? Right. And then we all learned, you know, what happened. There were these reports that, you know, he, he had this other job opportunity. He went to the owner, Alex Morello, wanted to explore it. He reluctantly gave John Chica permission to do that. Then the opportunity turned into an offer. John wanted to take it. And the two sides kind of had this, this fallout because of it. And when you, when you think about, what I said a second ago, that, that it didn't add up that they would fire him. What I mean by that is that by most accounts, he was, a, he was doing a good job. I mean, you could disagree with some of his, some of his moves individually or maybe the results of his, of his work, 
but it's not like he was doing a horrible job. And the Coyotes, I, I think, I want to say they even acknowledged that, and they kind of implied it in their statement when they said that he quit on the team, right? So that would kind yeah, of imply that. Was, that yeah, right, that was a whole other discussion. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but when you say that he quit on the team, what you're saying is you didn't want him to leave, and he left anyway. That's what you're saying. So, so this narrative now that has kind of surfaced after his departure that, well, he was doing a bad job, it's ridiculous, frankly. And and I'll admit, some of his moves recently weren't very good. I disagree right. wholeheartedly with some of the things that he did. And I think he did put the team in a tough position. But he certainly wasn't worthy of being gotten rid of, right? And so that's just – it's it's that was kind of my reaction was, was, you know, how unfortunate for the Coyotes that they had at minimum a competent general manager or a capable general, general manager – and now they don't anymore, and that's really unfortunate. And as far as the whole lying and quitting stuff that's been said about John, I find it hard to believe that that it's really as simple as he just flat out lied and deceived the team. Could he have handled it better? Probably, maybe. I don't. I'll, we'll probably never really know all of the muddy details of the story. But I find it hard to believe that he set out from the get go to deceive his employer. I just I find that hard to believe, and it's not even because. John and I are best friends. I don't really even know John very well on a personal level. I, I, you know, probably not even as much as, as you and, you know, other, other reporters on the, on the beat do I'll admit that, but I I don't, I just find it hard to believe that John or anybody who has ascended to that point in their career would do something so foolish as to just flat out lie to their employer from the get go. I think there's more to the story than that. Oh, there's definitely more to the story. And I agree with you. I find it so hard to believe it. And my biggest, I mean, and, and I've really, and we've spoken about this privately, I had a real issue with with some of the outlets in in, in town. Uh, you know, obviously it was an anonymous source, you know, calling John Chica a liar and a quitter. And and the fact that that some people printed that that quote from an anonymous source, just taking that shot at, at John Chica's character really rubbed me the wrong way. And I really have, uh, you know, and, and it just, it, nothing, it doesn't really add up to me, but I think if you're, if you're a Coyotes fan or really anybody trying to evaluate this entire situation with John, uh, you can't have it both ways. You, you can't say, right. you like, if before this happened, you can't say, oh, well, you know, Chica's our guy, he's done such a good job, and oh, now the team says he's bad. Okay, so he did a bad job. Like, right, you, either, right. you either think, like, was this not the, the best Coyotes team? And I understand it's a low bar to clear. <laughs> but was this not the best Coyotes team since at least 2012 and perhaps going back all the way to the Keith Kachuk, Jeremy Roenick days? Would it be fair to say at least 2012 and perhaps even more talented than that team was this 2019-20 team? Is that fair? I would say that's fair. And I, I would add to that that at the very, very minimum, the team that John Chica left behind was much better than the one that he took over. You, you might oh not, my, it's not even, job, yeah. Oh my God, that team was awful. It sounds better. Yeah, I mean, and, so, and so my point is, how can you say, how can you put a blanket over it and say, bad job? He put the team in a bad spot. You know, how, how can you say he put the team in a bad spot when the spot he left it was astronomically and like almost incalculably better i don't even know if that's a word but better than than what he had i mean look i'm not saying it was perfect i mean you're looking at that 
I mean, I know everybody wants to talk about the, the Clayton Keller contract, the OEL contract, the, the Phil Kessel trade, the Taylor Hall trade. Was it all premature? Sure. Like nobody's saying you did a perfect job. No GM is ever going to do a perfect job. It just it doesn't happen. So, But to put a blanket over it and say, yeah, well, this was our best team since at least 2012 and perhaps in the last uh, you know two decades, but this guy left us in a bad spot. You can't have it both ways. Either you were, were you know, you know, it's just where's the consistency here? You have to put the whole thing into perspective. That's just how I feel about it. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And I mean, again, I'll I'll, I'll say it again. There's things that John Shika did that I did not agree with from either, both from the moment that they happened and also in hindsight, because um, hindsight's always twenty twenty. But but there there were things that he did that I didn't that I wasn't a fan of and that I you know personally wouldn't wouldn't have done. Um, but make it make sense, right? Like just again, we're we're kind of getting a little into the weeds of, of just like the narratives that have been built around John Chica, but I suppose that's okay. I, I just I I think that there's just more yeah, I think they're dumb narratives, so I want to get in the weeds. I wanted like, you know, let's let's take a weed whacker to these narratives because I think I think they're all dumb. I th- I think it's totally fair to criticize Chica's body of work. I mean Agreed. that's, that's of true of any manager, unless unless you've built a dynasty, then maybe not. But I think it's totally fair to pick apart what he did as a general manager. That's what mm-hmm. sports pe- people like us and fans, that's what we do. <laughs> yep. I, I just, I just wish that the narrative around John Chica's departure wasn't reduced to something so simple as, wow, he did a bad job and he quit and he lied. Like, yep. well, come on, let's be a little more honest about the nuance and the complication behind what he did for the team. Well, that's let's all be- well, let's be really honest about why why do Coyotes fans feel that way in the first place? Because of what the team did on Chica's way out, an unprecedented uh, tone taken, an unprecedented language taken in a team press release. I have never seen anything like that before. I've never seen language like that from a team, and clearly they felt strongly about this, so much so that they put out a public statement uh, disparaging him in that way. That was, that really shocked me um, and in more ways than one. And I think when fans, a lot of times, like they'll just believe whatever the team tells them, they'll just take, right. you know, there's just the team spoon feeding them. And, and then you saw just a lot of, you know, people in media that were connected with the coyotes at that point. I think you saw them kind of starting to bad mouth Trika a little bit after, you know, having championed him previously. And that's what I'm saying. Like, where's the consistency? Like, I thought this guy was doing a pretty good job. And now like, so if if I'm just a fan or even if I'm just a casual Coyotes fan, I've been led to believe over the past few years that this Trika guy is pretty good. He's doing a pretty good job. Everybody seems to like him pretty much. And now all of a sudden he is, he's horrible. I mean, where did this come from? And clearly it just, you know, it's, it's manufactured. It's, it feels manufactured, I should say. Right. And it'll be interesting to see what his legacy uh, is because a lot of, and like you said, it's our job to to judge and to criticize John Chica, and I absolutely encourage everybody to to keep doing that. But the fact is, we really can't judge him a whole lot yet because those big contracts, a lot of those big contracts that he's uh, handed out, have not really gotten into the middle of of their years yet. I mean, I understand how the optics of Clayton Keller and and OEL, but I mean, God, gosh, there's a long there's a long way to go on those and. You know, you could look at the Kessel trades and, and, and the Hall trade and certainly say that it felt rushed, but 
Um, you can, you, you, I mean, it's, it's really impossible not to understand the logic there, especially on the Taylor Hall trade. Your team was in first place. You had the best goaltender in the NHL at that point. I mean, why not go for it? You got the picks, like you're in first place. Like let's, let's do it. And I understand, you know, you look at it now and okay. Yeah. Was it rushed? Yeah, probably. But um, you, you can at least understand why John Chica made the move, agree with it or not. You understand why he did it. And then, of course, Darcy Kemper got injured like two, three games later, and the whole season fell apart until they were uh, bailed out by the expanded you know, postseason format, were able to, to take care of, of Nashville, and then got embarrassed in the next round by Colorado. The Kessel trade, you know, that is, I, you know, I understand like Chica has to put his name on that as the general manager, but I mean, if you don't see Rick Tockett's fingerprints all over that, I mean, you're just, you're just not looking in the right place, in my opinion. So, well, and that I would. One, not only was that not not only could you attribute that partially to Rick Tockett's wishes but even if it had been just John Chica and he was the one that came up with that trade idea and wanted to get Phil Kessel and it was all him let's say that that were the case well I don't think that there's any Coyotes fan on whatever date that that trade happened back then at the time that would have said no I don't want to trade Alex Galchenyuk and Pierre Olivier Joseph for Phil Kessel right so so that and that's all that's a blanket statement for all trades by the way for any sports fan listening to this I think it's ridiculous if you liked a trade at the time or at least found it acceptable and then you crucify the general manager later for making that trade now if you didn't like the trade at the time and you still don't like it fine thumbs up that's cool but if you liked the Phil Kessel trade and then you're mad later that he made the Phil Kessel trade what are you talking about cuz you you liked it at the time too like, can't have it, it both ways. Can't have it both ways. Exactly. Is he supposed to have a crystal ball and say, yeah, Phil Kessel's going to have one of the worst seasons of his career this year? Is he supposed to to be able to foresee that? Mm-hmm. I, I just I, – it, it, still, it, it goes on his record as a general manager. You can't just pretend that it never happened. It still doesn't reflect well on the general manager. But come on. Let, just be fair. Just be fair. And I think there are things that you could criticize Chica more harshly for than that trade. I think that's not the top of the list for me. And and I would say, too, that both of those trades were the majority of Coyotes fans were seemed to be in favor of those trades. I, I will say that. I'm not saying everybody was on board with it. But again, you can't have it both ways. And and, you know, how much, you know, influence did ownership have on these trades and this new ownership this you know shiny new payroll how much impact did this have on it we're going to discuss that uh right after this we'll be right back in one moment with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models it is now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer choosing the only brand his warehouse happens to carry you have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket One reason to repair and maintain your cars is to save money that you can then use for other important things like the mortgage or food. Why would you choose to spend 30%, 50%, 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or advance? Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. Best of all, prices at RockAuto.com are always that same reliably low price and the same for for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. 
why would you spend up to twice as much for those same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on, that's L O C K E D O N in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. All right, and welcome back to Locked On Coyotes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Matt Lehman here uh, as our guest. We're talking coyotes in our grand reopening podcast here. We just went over John Chica. We went over sort of what his legacy was and, and all of the drama that went around. But I think the other parts of this is ownership, right? And uh, Javier Gutierrez, Alex Morello, Alex Morello Jr., what is going on here? Because now we have honestly more counts than I can count of failure to pay uh, per diem in the bubble. We have uh, a failure to pay contract bonuses uh, on time. We have failure to pay the lease to the building that they play and their offices are in. I mean, like I said in the first segment of the show, when Alex Morello took over, it seemed like oh, he's you know going to solve all these problems because he's one of the richest owners in the NHL. And I think the question now is just how much has COVID-19 impacted Alex Morello's finances? And I know he has a diverse portfolio, but um, you really can't ignore this chain of uh, financial issues around the Coyotes. And I think for Coyotes fans, they're starting to get that bad taste in their mouths that they've had in their mouths a long time from past owners. What's been your take on all this? Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's certainly a little difficult to dissect because you don't know where the the appearance of instability is coming from exactly. I mean, you obviously know that there's been reports of missed payments or late payments, but you don't know exactly the reason behind that. I mean, I I, I saw it suggested by just some commenter on Twitter who who is responding to to a report. They said, well, you know, at my company that I worked for, somebody, you know, we changed accounting departments or something, you know, something like that. And a bunch of people missed their paychecks or payments. I don't remember exactly what they said, but it was something to that effect. It was basically just, well, new management doesn't know when this stuff is due or how to pay it or doesn't know that it exists. So you could see why these things would just get, you know, screwed up and then they find out about it and they pay it. So that's a reasonable explanation, except I've read things that would, that would, um, dispute that explanation that that you know I, I i wish i could attribute i don't remember exactly who reported this but i had read something that said that the coyotes had told players with their contract bonuses that the checks were in the mail and then they got paid digitally or something so there was sort of a shell game so that that's kind of my first response is you don't really know exactly why this is happening is it because they don't have the cash to pay these payments because that's alarming Um, or is it because they just, it's new management and they just don't know that the payments are due or don't know when they're due or don't know who to pay them to or or something. But I will also just remind anyone who's listening, who, who may say, well, if this guy's a billionaire, why doesn't he just pay it? And I, I would like to just remind people that net worth and cash on hand are not the same thing. You could have $0 in your bank account and have a net worth of billions of dollars. And especially right now, you can imagine most business owners of any kind might be having a negative cash flow right now. So if Alex Morello doesn't have all this money, then, 
you know, you could see why he might, he, he still is a billionaire, but he doesn't have the cash to pay out the payments. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so those are kind of my two thoughts. I guess, I don't know if that even really is, is substantive for anybody listening, but it, I, I just sort of shrug my shoulders at it because there's, there's a lot that we don't know, but it certainly doesn't look good. It's not, it's, it's not good. Uh, it, I guess I would leave it at that. Well, no, and I think what you brought up is so important, right? Like people assume, you know, it's like, oh, Jeff Bezos is worth, you know, all these billions of dollars. Why doesn't he just, you know, donate to this and donate to that? It's like, you can't do that. He'd have to like liquidate the entire company and right. then he'd be broke, right? So it's like, right. you know, yeah. and I understand that's it's a kind of a, uh, you know, a large example, but that's kind of, I think, goes to show you what's going on here. Uh, but look, you don't want your owner to be cash poor and, it's yeah. hard to, and I, look, I don't want to call the guy cash bar. I don't want to, I don't want to postulate on his financial standing. I don't think that's fair to him, right. but I think at the same time, as, as, you know, a member of the media covering this team, you can't ignore the, the, uh, the evidence here and the trail that certainly points to uh, this ownership group being a little short on cash right now. I think, I think that's a fair, you know, uh, place to land i don't know i think it's but it's it's not what you want if you're a coyotes fan that's for sure because this team right now is looking to you know spend to the cap again and you have some reports saying that the coyotes are going to look to shed payroll and get down to the floor you have some reports saying that they're going to uh you know keep spending to the cap because you know that's what i mean i think that's what Javier Gutierrez said to, said to Craig Morgan in one of his recent stories. So it's like, what is going to happen with this team? Or, you know, and we're going to get into, into all that a little bit later when we kind of break down the Bill Armstrong hire and what's going on right now and, and the hockey operations and scouting departments, a complete upheaval uh, over there. But I think as, as far as Alex Morello is concerned, another thing I think you have to be concerned about is this precedent that he set uh, in these Taylor Hall negotiations. You know, was that, simply a reaction to Chaika and everything that was going on in that relationship. Maybe Chaika didn't at that point want to be a part of the conversation. So, you know, Alex and Javier took the lead or is that something that is going to be happening is Alex and Javier and Alex jr. Are they going to be playing a pivotal role in hockey operations, you know, kind of, you know, Jerry Jonesing the operation over there and, and trying to put their hands uh, on decisions that they don't really have any background to make. Um, I, I think that's that's an important question too. And I think that's one that uh, if I were Bill Armstrong, that would have been the first thing I asked in in the interview. But um, what's, what's kind of, before, I'll ask you this, before you knew about this whole Chica situation, what did you think about Alex and Javier and Alex Jr. being uh, sort of at the table with Taylor Hall? without Chica before you knew anything about the Chica situation. What, what did you think about that? Well, my answer to that is boring, but I guess it's the honest one. And that's that I just, again, I kind of shrug my shoulders at it just out of a lack of, of knowledge. Um, I mean, is it just uh, getting to know Taylor, trying to get him to, you know, just trying to build rapport with your most important free agent, take him out to a nice dinner, get to know him. You know, those kinds of things. Or was it really a negotiation where, like you said, Jerry Jonesing it, right? It, it just kind of depends. Um, but in general, I would say, I would say like you and me, we, we, I don't anymore, but we covered, or I used to cover the Coyotes. 
and watched every single game for several years. And even before I did that professionally, I watched the Coyotes because I lived in Arizona. And and we we are hockey guys. I never played hockey. I'm not I don't call myself a hockey expert, but I have at least, you know, pretty good familiarity with the organization. And I would never suggest that I am qualified to negotiate with free agents or to in any way manage the team. Right. Because I just don't I, I didn't play in the NHL. I didn't play hockey at a high level. I'm just not qualified. And I would say the same is true for any owner who is like me, didn't play hockey, didn't play, you know, d- doesn't have a hockey background, right? And probably watched, has watched fewer Coyotes games. I would imagine Alex Morello has watched quite a bit fewer Coyotes games in his life than I have. So it, that's kind of my, my thought on that is it's not picking on Alex Morello or, or Javier Gutierrez or anybody. It's just, I, I would caution any sports executive or owner to not stray out of their area of expertise. Because Alex Morello didn't become successful by being a hockey executive. He became successful by being a good businessman. And those are very different things. And just because you're good at one doesn't mean you're going to be good at the other. So I, I guess that's kind of my, my long-winded explanation. Um, I just don't, I don't think it's really the place of any uh, executive or owner to be going deep into negotiations or hockey operations decisions. That's why you have a general manager. But we don't know that that's what Alex Morello was doing. All right, we're going to pick up the conversation and tie a bow on the discussion of Alex Morello right after this break. All right, back for the final segment here on Locked On Coyotes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Richard Morn here alongside Matt Lehman. We are talking everything Coyotes in our grand reopening episode here uh, everything from John Chike to Alex Morello to Bill Armstrong to Rick Tockett to what the heck this roster is going to look like uh, next year. It's going to be a two-part episode, so you guys aren't going to want to miss it. I know you're listening to this here on Thursday, October 1st. Friday, tomorrow, October 2nd, is going to be part two of this episode we're going to talk about. Uh, we're going to talk uh, in-depth about Bill Armstrong, uh, the future direction of this team, and, and the roster uh, that is currently in place and what it might look like heading into the 2020-2021 season. But to wrap up the conversation we were having here about Alex Morello, about Javier Gutierrez, you know, when I was still with the Republic, I think my last story for the Republic was about Javier and about Alex and how the Coyotes could be really well-positioned here, um, given the the current climate, to really be champions uh, of making the NHL a more inclusive environment and, and sort of fostering that, uh, the culture of diversity and with Alex Morello being the first NH um, the NHL's first Latino owner and Javier Gutierrez being the NHL's first Latino president and CEO, you know, say what you want about sort of what's been going on right now at the top and all of these financial struggles. I think this could be the most important thing with this ownership group is, is how they handle this uh, and, and the steps that they take to, especially in a market that is so densely populated uh, with a Hispanic population. Do you feel like this ownership group, uh, you know, especially talking about Alex and and Javier could really be well positioned to do some good work here and to really be industry leaders and change? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I absolutely think there's that potential. And I think it's a great thing that, that you see, um, 
you see an owner taking over and a CEO taking over who are not just, and I don't mean to sound crass, but they're just not old white guys, right? Yeah. And, that, and I'm white. <laughs> like, I'm not picking on white people. No, but, we both uh, are. I know. Right. So it's not, but it's just, I think that there is a sentiment out there that, that, um, that especially in positions of power and wealth like that, that white people have disproportionately had those opportunities. And I think that that's a fair sentiment. Mm-hmm. And so it's refreshing to see that the coyotes are, are not following that trend and that they're, that they're being diverse. And then, like you said, not only is it, and, and it's, it's not only just some organization somewhere that's doing it, but it's one in a market that would probably respond better than any other market would. Now, what will the response be? I don't know. I mean, will it, will it help ticket sales, TV uh, ratings? I, I don't know. But it's good that, that the Coyotes have been purchased by an owner and then have subsequently hired a CEO um, that are, are kind of making a pathway for change um, in terms of just the makeup of what you see in, in those positions. I think it's a positive thing. And uh, one thing, well, my biggest takeaway from, and, and I had a, a very long conversation with Javier Gutierrez about this. One of my biggest takeaways from that was kind of his realization that like, we don't have all the answers like that. That's the idea. Like it's just because we're Hispanic, Alex and I talking about him and Alex, just because Alex and I are Hispanic doesn't mean like we can just show up and that's good enough. And we can just, Oh, you know, look, you know, just because we're Hispanic, that means we can, you know, we have all the answers. And I think it was really, um, that was really interesting to hear from Javier saying just because of the color of our skin doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean that, um, you know, the work is done. Like we have to listen to everybody else. We have to listen to, um, you know, all cultures and we need to, uh, come up with those answers together. It's, it's not like Alex and I are going to show up and say, we have to do this, this, and this, and poof, everything's fixed. I mean, the NHL is so predominantly white, um, perhaps more than, I mean, I think almost certainly more than every other major four sport. Right. So, um, mm-hmm. that's something that, that need, that needs to be addressed. And especially, you know, given, uh, the current climate and, and the social injustice right now in, in, in the United States, I think it's, it's something where the coyotes could really, um, could really position themselves well, and I think it would be welcome news for Coyotes fans, especially given all of the recent bad news, but just the history of bad news around this organization. If if Alex and Javier's legacy can be can be that, I think I think it would be a good thing. Yeah, I agree. All right, well, that's it for uh, the grand reopening episode, part one of Locked On Coyotes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We're going to be right back tomorrow, and we're going to be talking Bill Armstrong. We're going to be talking roster construction we're going to be talking rick tockett's future with the team and we're going to be answering your questions uh, that you sent into matt and myself uh, about the team and their future moving forward until then see you later